Welcome to the Eerie Force Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we're wrapping up our series called Our Spirit-Filled Church. We've taken a deeper look at the very first church described in the book of Acts to see the patterns they establish and how those same patterns still apply to us today. In this message, Pastor Nicole is going to examine the prayers of the early church and how their constant posture towards prayer was the link between God's promises and God's power, and how the same holds true for us today. So let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. So we had a short, um, unintended break. Uh, I started this series a few weeks ago on September 12th, um, but we're going to wrap up our series today called Our Spirit-Filled Church. And in this series, we are looking at the early church in the book of Acts. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about the power of God in the early church, and we talked about how the pattern of the power of God was set. And the pattern was this, that the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped, that the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. And so today, we're going to look at the prayers of the early church. Now, let me start with this analogy. Um, A few years ago, before all this COVID craziness, I took my children to see Disney on Ice. Anyone ever seen Disney on Ice? Okay, it's basically like Disney characters on an ice skating rink, and it's all kinds of fun. And um, in that, I went to the Erie Insurance Arena, and in that same arena, a few weeks prior to that, we had gone to an Otters game. Okay, there are Otters fans in the house. All right, so you go see the Otters game. So the the arena looked very different (laughs) between the Otters game to the Disney on Ice show. And I was just thinking, I was so curious, how did they transform this place to look so different? So a lot happens behind the scenes before the crowd has the Disney on Ice experience. So similarly, as I read the book of Acts, there's something that's happening um, quietly behind the scenes. There's a setup. There's a preparation. There's an action that is setting the stage for these remarkable things that we're reading about in the early church. In Acts 1, 13 through 14, this is what it says. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and they all met together, and they were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Okay, so what's happening here is a distinct mark of a spirit-filled church is prayer. Now, if we keep looking in the book of Acts, we see in Acts 1, 24, people were praying about choosing leadership. In Acts 4, they're praying for boldness and growth. In Acts 9, they're praying for signs and wonders. In Acts 12, they're praying for Peter to be released from prison. Um, In Acts 22, they're praying in worship and they're asking for guidance for the future. One of the striking features of the early believers is their attention to prayer. It's like the setup I just showed you, okay? All of that stuff was happening before we saw the Disney on Ice show. All of that preparation was happening. And this is what we see in the book of Acts is that the lives of these early saints seem to have been motivated and governed by prayer, both collectively and individually. 
And prayer was setting the stage. Prayer was laying the foundation. Prayer was cultivating the ground for the work that God is doing. What happened in the book of Acts when we saw the power of God did not just happen randomly, did not just happen uh, accidentally. It happened because the early believers were on their face before the Lord asking him for these signs and wonders. What happened is the early believers were collectively and individually setting the scene for every single day. And they were saying, this is what we need to do. We need to understand and hear the heart of God. It's interesting in Acts to see the places where the believers prayed. In Acts 1, the first mention of a prayer meeting was in the upper room. But after that, prayer together was found in a variety of locations. Prayer was recorded in in Saul's house in Damascus, in Mary's house, beside a river near Philippi, in a prison, on a beach, on a boat, in a storm. Here's the, the point. The physical location was not the important thing. You did not need to go to the temple to pray. We as Christ followers come unhindered into the presence of God. And the message of Acts is this, pray everywhere. Pray everywhere. Will you just say that out loud right at your seat right now? Pray everywhere. Pray everywhere. First Timothy 2.8 reminds us, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Prayer is such an important spiritual discipline because it is our direct communication to God. When we pray, we begin to think the way God thinks, to desire the way God desires, to love the things he loves, to want the things he wants. Prayer brings us closer to understanding the character of who God is. In the book of Revelation um, 5, 8, prayer is described in this analogy, uh, It's not a Disney on ice analogy. You might be surprised at that. But in Revelation 5, the analogy that John uses is that prayer is like incense held in golden bowls in heaven. I want to read it to you. It expands it. It says, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Prayer is not simply a holy walkie-talkie. It's more than us telling our needs and desires and hopes to God, like he's a butler uh, waiting to bring us another pillow when we ask. Now, don't get me wrong. God is our father. God is our friend. God is our physician. God is our shepherd. God is our helper. He's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our counselor. But, But Revelation is showing us here that our prayers are fighting a battle far greater than our daily struggles right now. That, that what we're praying about right now, that these, these things in our lives, uh, that is God is hearing that, but our prayers are being used to fight an even bigger battle. These bulls in heaven say that, that they're gathered in Revelation, that this is what's going to happen. They have two functions. First, they're censors. 
And I have just a photo here that some artists depicted. But censers are used to burn incense and to spread widely the scent. And this scripture shows us that God loves the aroma of the prayers of his people. God loves to hear your voice. God loves to hear your voice. This means that if you are on your face crying out for a loved one, or you're lamenting about some difficulty in your life, or you're praying in your car about the traffic, or you're praying over your kids after they go to bed, regardless of whether that prayer ever produces the result you're asking for, the very act of your prayer is pleasing to God. Listen, it's never, ever wasted. So often we come and we think about prayer as something that, um, that, that we're, we, we pray so that we get a result. We pray so that we get an action. We say, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. Will you please heal me? Will you please heal my family? Will you please help our church hear your, your Holy Spirit? Would you, would you please move in this city and in this county? And, and God is hearing that. But listen, even if those requests are never, ever answered, the prayer still counts. And God is hearing that, and he loves to hear your voice. We may never see the answer to the request that we are bringing before the Lord. Listen, I'm not here to pretend to tell you that every time that you pray, God will just show up like a magic genie and answer it. I've lived my life for Jesus long enough to know that there are some prayers that on this side of heaven are unanswered in my finite mind. And I'm not gonna pretend that's not frustrating. And I'm not gonna pretend that that's not difficult to understand as a natural human being. In fact, you may be to the point today where you've been praying about something so long and you haven't seen the result that you have literally thought, well, this is pointless. But God, he is storing up all those prayers in a bowl in heaven. That's what Revelation is saying. And that these prayers are bringing great joy to him day and night. And it may feel pointless to you, but the prayers that you are praying are bringing great joy to your father in heaven. It's not the answer that's coming that's bringing him joy. It's the prayers that you are praying. Here's a challenging thought. Here's a challenging thought. What if you never experience the answer to your prayer? What if I told you right now, the thing you're praying about, you will never experience the answer to, would you still pray if you knew it brought joy to God? Would you? If you knew that your prayers brought joy to God, would you be motivated by that to pray? Revelation reveals another function our prayers have, and to me, this is just fascinating. It says in chapter eight, that there's going to come a day when those bowls of prayers are going to become full. And the billions of billions of prayers that have been lifted up from the earth, they're going to fill that bowl to the tippy top. And there's going to be prayers in there from 8150 Oliver Road. And there's going to be prayers in there, every prayer you ever prayed in that bowl. And in that moment which will be nothing like history has ever seen before. It'll be nothing like I could even describe today. God is going to look at the angel and he's gonna say, pour it out on the earth now, right now is the time. Right now is the time. 
And the scripture says that these bowls of prayers are going to be thrown on the earth and the final purposes of God are going to be achieved. And Revelation describes the events that will take place in the last days and they are far greater than our minds can ever comprehend. I wanna read to you from Revelation 2, verses one through five. This is what the end result will be. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Yeah, let's just thank God for that truth. Perhaps your prayer for physical healing won't come as you desire on earth. Perhaps the, the very thing you've been praying for, perhaps you've prayed for a loved one to be healed from cancer and they were not. And that has left you in a very difficult position spiritually because you don't understand why God wouldn't have answered that prayer. But listen to me, Revelation says that that same prayer, that prayer that you prayed that appears unanswered someday will be used to heal the earth of all death and all pain, of every single bit. Maybe your prayer for a reconciled relationship doesn't come on this side of heaven like you expected. But listen, that same prayer someday will be used to make everything new. The prayers that you're praying in the short term may not feel like they are producing the results that you want to see, but I want you to see here in the scripture that what these verses are saying is that God is using your prayers to make the whole world new, to make it all right to use it and put it all back into order. Now, these verses are talking about end time events, but I have to to ask myself, if this is how it works in Revelation, then maybe this is a snapshot into what the supernatural is happening now, that according to these verses, either when God knows it's the right time to do something, or when enough prayer has accumulated to get the job done, that he releases power. And then he takes the bowl and he mixes it with fire from the altar. And then he pours it out on the earth and anything or anyone in its path is affected. This is the same fire. Listen, all the prayers of the saints before Pentecost was mixed with the same fire in the book of Acts as it fell on the flames of the heads of those in the upper room. He mixes your prayers with his fire. This must have been what happened when Paul and Silas were in jail in the book of Acts and they began to sing praises late in the night and the bowls filled and the the tipping bucket got heavier and heavier. And when the time was right, God poured out and the earth literally started quaking and the jail doors opened and the shackles fell off. (laughs) That's what happened when the prayers of the people got connected to the fire of God. So listen, why are your prayers so important? Why why does it matter that you go to God persistently and often on behalf of your needs and your family's needs and your country's needs? Because your faithful praying 
is what's filling the tipping bucket. Maybe it's 10 prayers. Maybe it's 10,000 prayers to tip that bucket. I don't know. But you do your part and let God do his part. And you fill that bucket with prayer upon prayer upon prayer, and you let God do the rest. And when you don't see the answer in the short term, remember that in the long term, what you are praying, the buckets you are filling, is going to redeem the earth. (laughs) It's going to do something far bigger and far greater than we could ever do on our own. And as I was just preparing today, the Lord really um, just dropped in my heart that someone needs to hear this today. Maybe this is you, so lean in for just a minute. That your prayers count. That every single one of them, God is storing them in bowls in heaven. And when the time is right, he's going to add his fire and nothing, no one will be able to deny his intervention into your need of your situation. Our prayers are not just intended to produce results here on earth, but our prayers are part of the final victory of God. They count for what we are knocking and seeking for in our ordinary days, but they also count in the courts of heaven. They matter to the master plan of the whole world. Prayer is the link between the promise and the power. Prayer is the link between the promise and the power. And if we want power like the early church, we talked about this a few weeks ago, we want the power of God, then we need to pray like the early church. If we want power like the early church, we need to pray like the early church. So let me just quickly tell you two ways that I believe the the early church prayed. And the first is this, that prayer is collective, not divided. Prayer is collective, not divided. In Acts 1, 13 through 14, that verse I read you, 120 people gathered together in prayer for 10 days. It said they joined together. Now, this doesn't mean they, it does mean that they were probably physically in the same room, but, but more than that, they were praying about the same things. Okay, they were coming together before the Father in one mind and in one accord. And, and I think what happens so often in the church, is, is we, we come to God with our requests, but we're like, okay, me and God, me and God, I'll, I'll tell you what I need. I'll ask you for help. It'll just be like the things that are important to me, and, and I'll put, put in my wishes and my hopes, and, and you help me out. And listen, part of that is okay. God loves to hear your voice. If it concerns you, it concerns him, and nothing is too small of a detail to pray about. God wants every tiny detail of your life. However, a good amount of prayer happening in the early church was not a group of people getting together and all praying about their individual needs. What what was happening is that the church got together and they begged God to show up and meet them all. They were as concerned about this person's need as they were about their own. They were as concerned about the body's need as they were about individually. And the whole room was asking God the same thing in one accord, in unity, with one collective voice. God, give us wisdom, all of us. God, we're desperate for your boldness. God, meet us here in power. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm not gonna let the worship team pray for me. I'm not gonna just let the pastoral staff pray for me. I'm not just gonna let the council pray. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna pray together because collectively we want the power of God. Collectively, we need to hear your voice. Collectively, we need to understand your purpose for us is so much bigger and we need all of us to be part of it. 
And these prayers moved the heart of God and these prayers propelled the early church. Secondly, it says that prayer was constant and not distracted. How often do we squeeze prayer in? (laughs) We have good intentions, but we stay up late and then when our alarm goes off to get up to pray, we snooze it. We start praying, but our phone pings or the oven beeper goes off or there's a knock at the door or the kids scream bloody murder. Maybe that's just at my house. But In 2000, uh, Microsoft conducted this study that measured how long people can focus on one thing for a specific amount of time. And the results showed that the average person's attention span was 12 seconds. If you find that, Um, surprising, 15 years later, it dropped to eight seconds. That is very depressing intel for a preacher, let me tell you. (laughs) We need to figure out how to pray with less distractions. If we want to see the power of God back in our lives and back in our spirit-filled church, we have got to figure out a way to focus. Because if the enemy can get us too distracted to pray, he can greatly reduce the expansion of the kingdom. Let me tell you this fast story about Pastor David Wilkerson. There's a picture of him. He wrote a book called um, The Cross and the Switchblade. It's about his life. I'd recommend it. It's really good. And he talks about how he was an ordinary pastor who faithfully did his job. He would come home at night and he, he would just need to recover from all the pressures of the day. So he would watch TV maybe two, three hours a night. Every night he would zone out. He'd fall asleep to the late show. He, he realized, man, he was watching TV maybe two, three hours a night. And one night, Pastor David heard Jesus say, what would happen if you sold your TV and prayed for that time instead? And so that night, he sold his TV in the newspaper and, and he changed his pattern. He said, okay, God, every night, instead of watching TV, I'm gonna pray. And a few months went on. And during one of Wilkerson's prayer sessions, God spoke to him through a photo he saw in a magazine. And it was a picture of seven boys in a murder trial. And Wilkerson heard God call him to New York City to bring the gospel to these seven troubled teens. And so he went there. And Wilkerson began street evangelism in the most dangerous parts of Brooklyn and Manhattan and the Bronx. And six months From the day he sold his TV, several of the most violent gang leaders in the city and their entire gangs had genuinely converted to Christianity and a few even decided to attend seminary. Within two years, Wilkerson moved to Staten Island and established a safe haven in New York for troubled youth. This grew into a worldwide ministry. You might know it as Teen Challenge. This happened because he sold his TV. (laughs) Listen, what could God birth in you? What could God do with your life if you eliminated distractions and prayed? What could God do with our spirit-filled church if we prayed constantly and focused? Prayer is the link between the promise and the power. In Acts 4.31, it records, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly 
When the church begins to pray, the Spirit pours out. God can and will do it again. God can and will do it again. And if we want the power of the early church, we've got to pray like the early church prayed.
have to sound pretty Just tell them what's on your heart Cause it's not a religion It's actually a friendship So just talk to your father Like you are his kids Come on right now, just start talking to Jesus Just start talking to Jesus Just start talking to Jesus For the rest of your life Come on right now, talk to him Talk to Jesus Just start talking to Jesus Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you haven't already, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to share it with your friends. Visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.